Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Gospel Saving Church. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen? Amen. I want to thank everybody for coming into my home in McKinney, Texas, having church here. It's a beautiful Sunday morning, first part of November. Thankful to all those coming from SoundCloud, listening on SoundCloud, supporting me on SoundCloud. God bless you. Welcome to Gospel Saving Church as well. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful day. Hope you enjoy the sermon. Anyway, if you guys will join me in a word of prayer, and uh, we'll get to my thoughts from last week and start our sermons. If you guys want to bow your heads and join me in a word of prayer, ask the Lord to bless our time here today and ask the Lord to bless the message. Lord, thank you so much for all that you do for us, Lord, and for all your grace and all your mercy and all your wisdom. Lord, just uh, thank you, Lord, for all your guidance, Lord, and just ask that you would lead us and guide us always, Lord, by your Holy Spirit. For, Lord, there's a way that seems right to a man, and that way leads to destruction. But, Lord, then there's your way, Lord, of course, and we know that your way leads to eternal life. And your way leads to to awesome things, Lord, just amazing things and great and amazing life and and an eternal life. And So we just thank you, Lord. We just ask that you would lead us down that path, Lord, your path. You would keep us away from our own path, Lord, and we would follow your path. We get on your path and just continue to follow you. We pray that we would learn from you today, Lord, whatever it is that you want us to learn from your word today. Let us take take what we hear today and not just listen to what you tell us to do, but Lord, may we obey the things that we hear today, Lord. If we just hear but don't obey, Lord, it's it's wisdom that's not applied, and, and that's foolishness. So, Lord, may everybody that ever listens to this message, Lord, anywhere all over the world, Lord, may we not just be hearers, of this word, but may we be doers of it, Lord. <clears throat> we love you and we praise you and we thank you. Keep the enemy away from us right now, Lord, while we're focusing on you, Lord. And I pray that distractions would be kept to none and that our focus would be just on you and your word and what you have to tell us today. We love you and praise you and we ask these things, all of them, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So if you guys want to open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 19. We're going to be in verses 16 through 22 today. And we'll read it, but right after my thoughts from last week's message, the loving, warm, and welcoming aura of Christ. I don't know about you, but I just love it when I get a chance, like I did last week, to you know, talk about those loving you know, characteristics of Jesus Christ and, and of God. You know, I, I, in a sense, I kind of almost would desire that that would be all that we talk about. But, you know, we can't do that because there's other parts to the Word of God as well, too. We can't just focus on just His love all the time. But in all that we, you know, talk about, because He was so, and still is, so loving, kind, welcoming, and warm toward us, we need not forget one thing upon everything we learned last week about, you know, God's loving characteristics. And that's why. Why God shows us those loving aspects of those, of the, you know, of His kindness and His warmth and His just His amazing aura, we need not forget why He shows us those things. Why does He? To draw us to Himself. Romans two four says, "It is the goodness of God that draws men unto repentance." A little life example, little life thought. For us, you know, is how that works in real life, because we see the same example in real life. 
you take a young boy and a, and a young girl. And the young boy really likes a little girl, little girl Susie. And the young boy comes to the little girl and he's always talking nice to her. And he's bringing her flowers. And he's, you know, smiling at her and, you know, and, and just treating her very nice, you know, and speaking kindly to her. And, of course, he, he in his mind, he wants to woo this young girl to him because he really likes her. He thinks she's pretty. He thinks that she's kind. He, you know, this is a girl that he would like to date. You know, he'd like to hold hands with at school. And so, of course, he's doing all these loving and kind gestures to show her his love for her in hopes that what? In hopes that she responds to that one day when he says, Susie, I would just really like it if we could hold hands. Could we be boyfriend and girlfriend? That, that's why he's acting and so nice and kind and loving towards her. Well, the same goes you know, for us and God. If the little girl at that point says, No, Johnny, I don't want to be your girlfriend. I don't want to hold your hand. Then, then guess what? They don't have a relationship. As far as God and we are concerned, it's the same thing. God shows us his welcoming, loving, warmth, and kindness to all mankind. He shows these good aspects to all peoples in hopes that we'd accept his advances and surrender to him and start dating and start courting him. Start holding his hand. Start putting our trust in him. Start talking to him starting to focus on him and think about him instead of just being distant from him. And we need to remember that that is why God shows us those loving and welcoming and warm auras about himself. And we need to respond to when we know that God is loving us and we know that God is showing us that love. And we need to respond and we need to accept that love and we need to accept his warmth and accept his welcomeness and then come. So that's pretty much all I have from last week. Just an exhortation to, you know, when you know and as long as you know God loves you and then to come, not just to stay distant. So on to this week's message because it's, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of more than I'm used to speaking on for one certain section. As we have here, we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven or eight verses today. So I wanted to keep the intro short so we could spend more time on this week's message. I, if you want to turn to Matthew 19, 16 through 22, I'm going to read it. And uh, the title for our message today, What good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? So if you want to join me, read along with me or just listen along, whatever you'd like to do. Matthew 19, 16 through 22. Now behold, one came and said to him, Good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? So he said to him, Why do you call me good? There's, there's, there, no one is good but one, that is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. He said to him, Which ones? And Jesus said, You shall not murder, you shall not, not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and your mother, and you shall... Love, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, All these things I've kept from my youth. What do I still lack? And Jesus said to him, 
If you want to be perfect, go sell what you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. All right, on to the message. So in the very beginning, did you notice what happened? I, I'm constantly talking about this often in Scripture. We go back to verse 16. Now, one, now behold, one came to him and said, did you, know, did you catch that? I just spoke about it last week. Did you catch it? Someone else comes to Jesus and has a request for him. We talked about this last week. We, t- we talk about it all the time. Jesus' ministry was full of people always coming to him, and they were always requesting things from him. They were always asking things of him. And in case you didn't see it, who was it? Verse 22, it was a rich young man that came to him. And for the sake of my NKJV translators, because I read an NKJV Bible, they call him the rich young ruler. So this rich young ruler comes to him and he has a request. What is his request? He wants an answer to a question. What's the question? Verse 16, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And in case you're wondering, that's actually where the title of our sermon came from, this man's question. Or in other words, you could say how he said, he said, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? Or in other words, what good work can I do so that I can go to heaven? I have to say, What a question for our world today, huh? What a question. The majority of people in our world, in case you're wondering, I've been an evangelist for about 15 years for the Lord Jesus, and the majority of people that I've run into on the streets, and the majority of the religions believe and teach that good works and good things that they do get them to heaven. That's today, 2014. November 2014, what good things shall I have to do that I can attain or I can enter into life? You know, I mean, I'm a good person, people believe, and I got to do good works in order to get to heaven. Well, that's today, 2014, November, okay? This was, this was in the 30s AD that this man came to Jesus and asked him this question. So what we see here is that we see that nothing has changed. This rich young ruler, and the majority of people today believe, and the religions of today, the majority of religions teach today, that you need to do good works in order to get to heaven. So, if you're one of those people who believe good works will get you to heaven, or play any part in your salvation, please listen very carefully to what Jesus Christ has to say to this rich young ruler. Because he gives them an answer. He gives them two answers, actually. He's not quite happy with either one, and he ends up walking away dissatisfied and sorrowful. But let's look at why. So, before Jesus teaches him the way to get saved, though, and to have everlasting life and get to heaven, he has to make a detour in verse 17. What does he say? He said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. Now, he, Jesus makes a detour. He doesn't just write off, answer him, the answer to his question. 
he makes a detour. He first has to make the point to this guy to tell him that all human beings are evil and that only God is good. Yes, that is right. That is what I just said. Now, you may be offended at what I just said, but please don't get offended with me. Get offended at what Jesus said. In fact, don't get offended at what Jesus said. Just listen to what Jesus said. He said, no one is good but God. Well, the opposite of good is not bad, as the world, most people in the world believe. Well, you know, I'm, I'm a good person. Well, I'm not, I'm not bad. No, if you go to your modern secular movies, if you go to any reasoning, you'll learn that the opposite of good is what? Not bad, but good versus evil. That's right. If you were thinking evil, that's correct. Not good versus bad, but good versus evil. The opposite of good is always evil, not bad. Paul backs up what Jesus says here in Romans 3.10. He says that there's none righteous, no, not one. And in Romans 3.23, we read that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So why did Jesus have to make this detour? Why did Jesus have to make this point to this rich young ruler that all men and all people were evil? A person has to understand their real status before God before they can really be saved. Why? Well, you see, if a person thinks they're good, a person thinks that they're righteous before God, well, what they think then automatically is that God, upon their good merit, upon their good deeds, upon their goodness, will let them have heaven. They'll let them inherit eternal life. Well, because, you know, you know, I, I don't do too much evil. You know, I'm not as bad as that other guy over there. Well, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a pretty good person. I hear that a lot. And, and, and I've done some really good and, and righteous works. I mean, after all, God will, God will let me into heaven then, right? Well, you see, that's, that thinking is right now today. People think, because I'm a good person, because I don't do much evil, I'm, you know, I, I know I'm a sinner, yeah, 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 but, you know, I'm a pretty good person overall. In fact, the, the devil has deceived most Americans and probably the majority of people all over the world into thinking that they are generally good people. In fact, in America, this is a plague. In fact, it's really a, a pandemic that's seeming to send a lot of people to hell because according to Jesus here, we're not good people. Only God is good. Which if only God is good, that makes everybody else evil. And we are. We are all evil. And because we're evil, we need help getting to heaven. We need a savior. We need someone to save us so that we can get to heaven because we cannot get to heaven upon our good deeds. Now, as you read there, verse 17, why do you call me good? Jesus said, no one is good, but one that is God. Don't be confused on a side note here. Don't be confused. Did Jesus just say that he also wasn't good? Was he saying that he was evil? Because, you know, after all, he said there's none good but God. Well, the answer is absolutely not. Don't be confused. Jesus was God in the literal flesh. So when he made the reference of there's none good but God, really he was referring to himself because he was God in the flesh. The Bible calls him the sinless lamb of God that came to take away the sins of the world. He never sinned once, never had an evil thought. He never was once in his life a sinner like you and me. 
So now, now that the groundwork of all our evil and only God is good has been laid, Jesus finally answers this fellow's question. Jesus gives them the surefire way, the 100% way that he can go to seven. Verse 17 goes on after we read only God is good. But if you want to enter life, he tells this fellow, you need to keep the commandments. Notice, by the way, Jesus didn't tell him one good work by which he could be saved. He just told him that he had to be obedient to God's commandments and laws to have life, or you could say to get to heaven. Coincidentally, the Bible says that no good works can get anyone to heaven. Paul tells us the same thing in Ephesians 2.9. Salvation is not of works, least anyone should boast. Because, as I said earlier, Jesus said we are evil. And evil people can only produce evil works. Isaiah recognized it too, 64.6. He says, but we are all like an unclean thing. And all our righteousnesses are filthy rags. Now, you may be saying to yourself, wait a minute, Pastor Ed. You're not making sense. Hold on. You just said that we're all evil and in need of a Savior to save us and help us get to heaven because we can't get in on our good merit or good works. But now we just read Jesus say that we can keep the commandments of God and get to heaven that way. What's going on? What's the deal? Are they both true? You're confusing me. Well, just hold on. If what you said is true, you may be saying, and we need a Savior to help us get to heaven because we are evil, then why did Jesus tell this guy that if he keeps the commandments, he he can go to heaven? So the question is this. Can we or can't we get to heaven without a Savior? Can we get to heaven by keeping God's commandments and laws? Or do we need a Savior to save us? Well, my answer is yes. You absolutely can get to heaven and be saved without a Savior by keeping all God's laws and all God's commandments. But there's a catch. Jesus doesn't quite mention it here, but there is a catch. The catch is this. The only way to get to heaven by the keeping of the law and the commandments of God is to keep all of them perfectly without breaking one or sinning against one of them from the day of your birth to the day you die. And just think of it. There's Ten Commandments, right? Wrong. There is Ten Commandments. But when Jesus spoke of the commandments, he spoke of the commandments along with the laws. Well, in case you're wondering, between the Ten Commandments and the Levitical law of God, there were about 623 that God gave to the Israelites for them to keep for, you know, dietary and religious and so on and so forth. So, this is the crazy thing. We'd have to keep them all. All of about 623 from birth to death in order to gain righteousness by the commandments, and the laws. And you may be thinking, Pastor Ed, you're crazy. Where does the Bible say that? Where does the Bible say that we got to keep them all? You know, where? James tells us in his epistle to the Christians then, to us now in 2.10. He says, For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, just one, he is guilty of all. 
So he tells us right there in God's eyes, if you even break one commandment or one law, God sees you as a transgressor of the whole of the law or all of the commandments. So even just breaking one. And now this is not just physical. Because Jesus adds to the physical. Because, of course, the Bible says God gave in his commandments, do not commit adultery. Do not, do not hate. Or do not, I'm sorry, do not murder. Okay, well, Jesus said, even if you look at your brother, even if you hate your brother without a cause, then you're guilty of murder. Okay, so that would be more than not just keeping the laws in a physical sense, but Jesus also meant keep all the laws and all the commandments in a spiritual mental sense too. Love everybody according in your mind all the time. Don't ever have hatred toward anybody ever or else you, you broke the commandments. So do you see the problem that arises if you try to go this path of keeping the law in order to get to heaven? Here's the catch. Here's the catch inside the catch, you could say. Could imperfect people like you and me, who are sinners to the core, who hardly can't keep from sinning, keep all of God's about 623 purity and dietary laws perfectly from birth to death? Could we possibly do that? Think about it. If you were to live to 100 years old, that would be not breaking one law or one commandment, because if you broke one, you're guilty of them all, for 50, 60, 70, 80, 100 years. When I can't hardly go even one day without having an evil thought that I don't want to be there, but it just comes, or I don't want to do something wrong, but then it just kind of happens, and I, oh, I sinned, oh, doggone it. Well, that one time, the first time you broke it, you're guilty of them all. And if you wanted to keep that path for righteousness, for eternal life, you've blown it. Sorry, it's, it's, it's the end. So my answer is, can you? Absolutely not. The path is there. Sure, keep all the laws and keep all the commandments for your righteousness and for your eternal salvation. But then at day, at day 10 of your age, of when you're born, you're guilty already. And then that way is closed. You're done. Because you've sinned. Okay, so there's no way you can keep the laws and the commandments of God for eternal salvation. There's none, but it's there. And this guy said, what must, what good thing must I do in order to have eternal life? So Jesus tells him. See, no regular human being could ever keep God's laws and God's commandments perfectly from birth to death. We can never rely on this path for salvation. There was only one that did that. There was only one that kept all of God's laws and all of God's commandments from the day he was born to the day he died. And his name is Jesus Christ. He never sinned once, as I alluded to earlier. He was the perfect sinless lamb of God that came to take away the sins of the world. He died in our place cut because he kept all those laws and commandments. He fulfilled the law. He fulfilled the commandments and died in righteousness, never having sinned once. That's why he was able to die in our place. And we can rely on him to save us because he was the only one that lived that perfect life from birth to death. Now, let's keep going. Now, Jesus never specified which commandments and laws to keep to have life, did he? He just said, want life? Keep commandments. Now, it's not really complicated. Which ones did he mean? Well, he meant all. He didn't say any particular, so he meant all. You want life? Keep the commandments. Not complicated. And, and he knew what James would write. 
not complicated. Obviously, he meant keep all of them, just as James said. Now, I look at this next verse, verse 18, and this fellow, I'm looking at him, I'm seeing him in my mind, and I'm seeing him as Jesus said this, keep the commandments in order to have life. The guy kind of almost can't believe what he said, says to him in verse 18, oh, well, which ones? Now, as I said, did Jesus stutter? He said, keep the commandments. He wasn't confused. Keep them all. Well, I see this guy here. If you guys, I'm, I'm a bit older. And, and this guy's look on his face. Which ones? Well, there was an old show that I used to watch. It, it, it was called What's Happening. And there was this young, young boy, and his name was, his, I forget his name now, but he, said, he would say, What you talk about, Willis? What you talk about, Willis? And he never could understand, you know, like when, when Willis would say something, he'd be like, What you talk about, Willis? Well, I could see this rich young ruler going, What you talk about, Jesus? Which ones? I don't understand which ones. All of them? Which ones? Did I hear you right? Which ones? Jesus replies in the rest of verses 18 and 19 to kind of be specific, I would say, to the situation. Read the rest of verses 18 and 19 with me. Jesus said, You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, so hold on, let me back up here. Maybe Jesus didn't mean that the rich young ruler had to keep all of God's laws and commandments to have righteousness in order to get to heaven. Well, that's actually not quite true. Even though Jesus says it, there's a bit more here than we see. You see, there's a bit underlying, there's a very powerful interesting message here that Jesus gives this fellow when you look deeper than just reading it over quickly. So let's look deeper at these commandments Jesus gives him to have life with their respective locations. Start in 18 where Jesus says, you shall not. Okay. Verse 18, he says first, you shall not murder. Location, Exodus 20, 13. It's commandment six. Keep that in your mind. Exodus 20, 13, commandment six. Now remember there were Ten commandments, original commandments of God, and then there was the whole of the law, called the Levitical law. Okay? There's ten commandments of God. Jesus starts in six. Well, why didn't he start at one? Just, that's just, just, just keep your mind right there. No murder, Exodus 20, 13, commandment six. No adultery, he tells him next. Exodus 14, 20, 14, commandment seven. Do not steal, Exodus 20, 15, commandment eight. Bear no false witness, Exodus 20, 16, commandment 9. Honor your father and your mother, Exodus 20, 12, commandment 5. Well, Jesus kind of, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. What, what happened to 1 through 4? What happened to 10? And then, the very last one Jesus brings up, love your neighbor as yourself. Leviticus 19, 18 well, that's not a commandment at all. In fact, that's out of the Levitical law of God. There is no love your neighbor as yourself in the, in the Ten Commandments God gave Moses on Mount Sinai. Love your neighbor as yourself came out of Leviticus 19.18 out of the law of God to the Israelites, not out of the commandments of God. Now, if Jesus meant for him to keep all the commandments and all the laws, then why didn't Jesus just tell him We'll keep them all when he asked which ones. Well, first off, he had already told the fellow to keep all, just not with those words. 
And as I prayed about the same question, as I was sitting there thinking, well, why, Jesus? What was the, what was the purpose? Why, why did you not give this guy all the commandments or just say all? This is what I believe God showed me. I want to go back over those commandments that Jesus gave this guy to keep, and I want to go over them slowly, and I want to be specific, and I want you to notice if they have anything in common as I go through them. No murder. No adultery. No theft. No false witness. Honor father, mother. And love your neighbor as yourself. Did you read in there, out of those specific ones that Jesus chose, did you read in there anything that they all had in common? Well, I did. God showed me. Jesus gave him the five out of the original Ten Commandments pertaining to others. And then the law was, love your neighbor as yourself. So all the things that Jesus gave him to do to have life were all the commandments and the one part of the law concerning others. So you may be thinking, well, what, is, what does that have to do with anything? What, what, what specific does this have to do with this guy here? Well, remember, verse 22, But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And the New King James translators translated this guy as the rich young ruler is the title of my Bible. So he was a rich young man. Well, put two and two together for me in your mind, if you would. He was young and he was rich, at least. Whether he was a ruler or not, not quite sure, but he was young and he was rich. Well, ask yourself this question. How does someone get to be rich when they're just a young man? Well, they either, A, they inherit all that money and all that wealth. That's, that's, that's on the good side. Or they, B, they have to step on others and destroy others' lives, and climb that, what you'd say in America, that corporate ladder, stepping on anybody that gets in their way, in order to attain that wealth. Well, I believe the reason Jesus picked the ones that he did, according to when I prayed to God, and he kind of showed me this, I've never seen this before. I believe Jesus was telling this guy, he, his, he was exposing this guy's greatest sins right to his face. I believe that this fellow obtained his wealth, or his God, because we'll see that later as we read on, by abusing and taking advantage of others. How did he get all that money? How was he young and rich? Why did the New King James translators translate it as the rich young ruler? So, was this guy receptive to what Jesus had to say? What did he say after Jesus kind of exposed these you know, commandments, keeping all these commandments about others. Because, you know, in case you didn't know, the other five commandments of the original commandments of God were, of course, honor God. Keep God, you know, keep God first in your life. How come Jesus didn't give him those? How come he just pointed out the commandments that aimed others at others? Well, I believe the man was in denial when you read verse 20, because verse 20 says, The young man said to him, All these things I've kept from my youth. Do you just see the denial there? Think about it. 18. You shall not murder. Maybe you could do that in a sense physically. Sure, not do that. 
Maybe you'll not commit adultery. But again, on those two things, Jesus already said, if, even if you think evil in your heart of a brother, you, you've committed murder. You shall not commit adultery. Well, even if you look at a woman to, with lust to her, you, you've committed adultery. You shall not steal. Who? Are you serious? When we're little kids, we just take something. Everybody almost is stolen as a little child. Are you serious? You shall not bear false witness. That means you're not going to say anything bad about anybody else ever. Seriously? Really? Honor your father and your mother? Most every teenager that I've ever known in my life has never, every day of their life as a teenager, honored their mother and their father. Yet this rich young ruler says, Oh, I've kept them all from my youth. Well, yeah, right. Nobody has kept these things from their youth. Nobody. I don't care if you were Mary, the mother of Jesus, Joseph. Okay, Mother Mary, you know, one of the original saints of the Catholic Church. Nobody keeps these things from their youth. Nobody is this perfect. This guy is in total, total, total denial. And then, love your neighbor as yourself. Come on. Denial. The guy was in denial. Nobody loves their neighbor as their self from their youth. The Bible says that foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. And when you're a child, you do foolishness. You hate others for no reason. You steal candy from the store. Everybody's a fool when they're young. The guy's in denial. Now, although he was too prideful to admit his sin before Jesus, he does allude to the fact that he had sinned and broken all of these commandments. You say, where? Look at the rest of verse 20. He says at the very end, all these have kept from my youth. Uh, What do I still lack? Now, if he truly had kept all the commandments of God from his youth, If he truly kept all the law of God from his youth, he would have known his conscience would not have convicted him. He would have known, I'm on the right path. I'm keeping the laws of God. I'm keeping the commandments of God. I'm on my way to heaven. But by him saying, what do I still lack? It proves that he's guilty. Which is a good thing. He's admitting his failure, just not quite out in, you know, in a fourth front, you know, kind of a fourth front way. So what does Jesus do? He tells them the real way in which a person can have eternal life and be saved. And the actual way to have eternal life that is actually attainable. Read verse 21. Jesus said to him, If you want to be perfect, go sell what you have and give it to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. And come and follow me. Notice Jesus said, If you want to be perfect. The Greek word there for perfect is teleos, I believe, defined as wanting nothing necessary to completeness. I'm perfect. I don't need to do anything else. I'm perfect. I've attained perfection. The definition goes on to be perfect or that which is perfect. And then listen to this last one. I'll bring it back in at the end of the sermon. Brought to its end. Finished. My painting, it's perfected. It's perfect. It's finished. There's nothing wrong with it. It's perfect. Well, that's how we have to be in God's eyes in order for Him to let us into heaven. We have to be perfect in God's eyes, the Bible says, for us to get to heaven. 
Look at the ways in which Jesus gave this guy, told him he could obtain this perfection. Look at this one in verse 21. Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, if you want to be perfect in God's eyes, we need to listen to, go sell what you have and give it to the poor. What else there? Go sell what you have. Turn away from the God of money that you worship that rules you. Because remember, 22 tells us that he had many great possessions, so he didn't listen to Jesus and he walked off. And Jesus said, go turn away from the God of money that you worship that rules you and give that to the poor. What else is that called biblically? That's called repentance. Repentance, turning away from the things that rule you, turning away from sin and turning to God. Repentance. And by doing this, he tells them, by default, by doing this, you'll have treasure in heaven. The second thing he needed to do to be perfect was come, Jesus said, and follow me. What else could he have said? Another way, come to God through me. The Bible's not silent on the same idea that Christ told this rich young ruler here for us to be saved. Paul speaks to some church leaders in Acts 20, 20, and 21. I proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly from house to house, testifying to Jews and also to Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Repentance is the turning, turning towards God away from your sin or away from other gods that have been ruling you or you've been serving. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 16, 24 through 26. Jesus told his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself or repentance, taking self or other gods off the throne of your life that rule you and turning to Jesus Christ. He then says, take up and take up his cross, living a life, abstaining from a sinful lifestyle. And he falls off with, and follow me, making a decision to live a life to obey my teachings, Jesus said. He goes on to say, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And then the end, which pertains to this rich young ruler, for what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? You see, we can only be perfect in God's eyes by being found in Christ. And the only way to be found in Christ is to take a step of repentance towards God and away from sin and other gods you serve and to put your faith totally in Christ, and decide to start following Him as a result of your faith. Not one good work or not one good thing was done by you by doing all this. These were decisions you made. I want God. I need God in my life. I don't want these other things anymore. I want God. I don't want to live this way anymore. I need God. Well, that's not a good work. That's not a good thing. That's just repentance. And then faith in Jesus Christ to save you. The one perfect spotless Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. John, uh, first, uh, first John 1 John 1.7 says, But if we walk in the light, which is goodness and, and righteousness, you could say, as He, God, is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all unrighteousness. 
So when we repent away from ourselves and our lordship over our lives, when we repent and turn away from the evil of the world and turn to God as a lifestyle, then Jesus Christ, his blood, will then cleanse us from all unrighteousness and make us pure and perfect in God's sight. Now, did this rich young ruler want any part of repentance toward God and faith in Jesus Christ? Read verse 22 and t- uh, verse 22 again. No way, Jose. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Why? Translation, my things I love with all my heart. I've got no room for God because I just want all of my stuff. He could have been cleansed from all his sins and he could have become perfect in God's eyes. But instead, he chose to lose his own soul for the things and gods of this world. And he traded, you could say, his own soul in eternity for the things and the gods of this world. Matthew 16, 26. So what good work can anyone do in order to get to heaven? Well, the answer, the main answer, the one that the whole world needs to hear is absolutely not one according to Jesus Christ. Not one good work or one good thing can you or me or Fred or John or Tom or Billy or Joe or anybody, Jose or Muhammad, not, no, nobody can do one good work or one good thing in order to get to heaven. There's, a, there's not one good one. So what must a person do to inherit eternal life according to what Jesus Christ told this rich young ruler? We have to be found perfect in God's eyes. And the only way to be perfect in God's eyes is to be found in Jesus Christ, washed clean by the blood of the Lamb, the one that came and died for the sins of all the world. And how do we go about doing this? How do we go about becoming perfect in God's eyes? I'm bringing this back all the way to last week. I'm bringing this all the way back to the beginning of the sermon. We need to start by responding to the loving and warm and welcoming aura of Christ. The little boy that says, hey, would you like to go out with me? Would you like to hold my hand? Here's flowers. Here's these nice things. Here's your rain for your land. Here's love from others. Here's my provision. Here's my goodness. Do you see it? Do you see how much I love you, my son, my daughter? Do you see it? My love is everywhere. Do you see my love? Do you see my provision? Do you see my, my beautiful nature that I put out there to testify that I'm real, all that out there? You see, God is reaching out for every single one of us right now. And he's asking us to become his bride. He's saying, will you marry me? Will you start to hold my hand? Will you start to walk with me? I've not been showing you I've loved you for all these years for nothing. My son, my daughter, we need to respond to that loving, warm, and welcoming aura of God in Jesus Christ. You see, he, he wants you to repent and turn your hearts toward him right now and away from yourself, your selfishness, and all the gods of this world that you serve. He says, turn to me. Don't go with those other guys. Stop letting money rule you. 
Stop letting this rule you. Stop letting all these things rule you and turn to me. And he wants you to put all your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, his son. And he wants you to make a decision to become a follower of Christ, his son. And become obedient to his teachings found in the Holy Bible. But that, of course, can only come after you say, Matthew 16, 25. Whoever loses his life, you could say his earthly life, his control over his earthly life, for my sake, will find his eternal life. Or spend his eternity with me and God forever in heaven. Only at the point of stopping doing it my way, stopping doing it your way, and turning to Him and starting to do it His way, will you ever be found perfect in God's sight. Until then, you can try to keep the commandments, try to keep the laws all your life. But just like this man said when he knew that he had blown it, well, he says to him, what do I still lack? We could say that today. What do I still lack? Maybe we've been trying to work hard all our lives to be good for God. Maybe we've been working our whole lives to, to do good things so that God could be happy with us. When God just says, listen, son, daughter, lose your earthly life to me. Stop living for yourself. Turn to me. Trust in me and you'll gain your eternal life. <laughs> and do you remember that definition of perfect? Brought to its end. Finished. In other words, how that can apply to us? I'm done. I'm going to totally surrender to Jesus Christ at His cross. On His terms and not my own. I'm done living for myself. I'm going to live for God now. I'm turning to God and I'm going to put my trust in Christ to save me. And not my own good works and not my own good deeds. Once you lose your earthly life at the cross, you can find your eternal life with Christ forever. You see, God wants to give you new life right now and everlasting life forever. So I ask a question if you're not already there. Will you surrender and come to your end today in Jesus Christ and become perfect in God's eyes? Or are you going to keep trying to work and do good things and keep the commandments of God and keep the laws of God so that you can make God happy? Because if you're like this rich young ruler, you'll end your life saying, what do I still lack? There's something left. I need to do something else. Well, the only thing you need to do is surrender today. Surrender to God as your Lord and Christ as your Savior. And repent to Him away from yourself and away from the gods that you serve. And put your faith totally in Him and surrender right now. Let's pray. Lord, thank You so much for Your Word. Thank you so much for this example, this rich young ruler that came to Jesus. Lord, and he wanted to know what good thing he could do to have eternal life. Lord, today, in our day and age, the whole world is asking that. The whole world is saying, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? 
but your word says that we can't do anything good. We can't do any. We're sinners, and we're, our righteousness is as filthy rags. We're all evil. What good can an evil person or someone do? What good, Lord? We can't do anything good. Lord, we're all evil. All we can do is give up control of our lives and put that control in your hands and surrender to you at the cross and give up and come to our end. Lord, I pray if there's anybody out there listening and they haven't come to that point of surrender, they haven't come to that point where they're waving the white flag and saying, God, I just need you. I, I can't. I can't. I'm, I just can't. I, I've worked my whole life to try to make you happy. and I, What do I still lack? Lord, I pray that you would just bring them to their knees right now. And may they surrender and put their faith in you to save them. And turn away from self and give their heart to you. Just like a woman does a man or a man does a woman when they say, well, you know, would you marry me? I give you my heart. I become yours. Lord, that's what you want. You want us to make a decision to become yours. To not live for ourselves anymore, but to live for you. I pray, please, dear God, if there's anybody listening right now, that they would get on their knees right now and make that decision for you right now. Cry out to you for you to save them. Cry out to you for you to give them new life now and everlasting life later. And stop trying to be this fake righteousness and have our own and have their own righteousness before you, dear God. Lord, I pray you'd lead them to the cross and bring them to be perfect before your sight where the blood of your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, will cover them for all their sins. I love you, and Lord, we love you, we praise you, and we thank you. And we ask all these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise God. Everyone, it's Pastor Ed here. and Thank you so much for listening to the message. It's my prayer that you were encouraged and challenged with what you heard today to be a doer of God's Word and not a hearer only. Because... Your life will soon be passed, and only what you've done for Jesus Christ will last. If you live in the Dallas, Texas area, we want to invite you to come to our little house church here in McKinney, Texas. Sunday mornings, our service is at 1015, and the directions can be found on our website. Also, if you have any prayer requests or questions, or maybe you believe God has called you to support this church financially, please go to gospelsavingchurch.com and click on the appropriate links. I would love to hear from you personally. God loves you very much. Please love him back by the way you live your life. God bless you and have a wonderful day.